Today is Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Fauci is finito. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We bring you news from a Christian perspective. And joining me as always to get through that news of the craze, CBN's Billy Hallowell and Tregon's Phillips. What's going on, guys? Happy Wednesday. It's, it's really kind of like Friday, almost. Yeah. But yeah, I can smell the turkey already. I'm just waiting. <laughs> right? Getting it's ready. Friday. Yeah. I mean, getting ready for that turkey coma. You're just, you know, you just down all the good fixings on Thanksgiving, and then you just sit on the couch and don't move for a good three, four hours. At least that's so how I do are it. You, are y'all pumpkin pie fans? Ugh. Oh, see? <laughs> that's what everybody says, but pumpkin pie is my absolute favorite. And everybody's always like, Ugh, oh, I, I mean, I apple pie. I go with apple pie. pie. Gotta go apple pie for me. Uh, yeah, but apple's pain. good. I'm pretty basic, no, though. Apple pie with ice cream. That's You can't get better or more American than yeah. apple pie and some vanilla ice cream. See, I'm, right. I'm hungry already. This is... And then my, my grandma used to do the applesauce with the cinnamon on top. And, oh, man, I mean, the stuffing. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm just ready to go. I think I might just stop the podcast and let's just go eat. Right. All right, we're all going home. We're just going home. We got to eat. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. We have actual stories to get to. Uh, today, there's uh, some new polls on the uh, Walker and Warnock race and a whole bunch of other things going on. Trey, you had an interview with Dallas Jenkins. The uh, Did you watch The Chosen? Did you, did anybody go see it? Did you, any, either of you? I haven't um, gone to see it yet, but I want to. I have friends who did, and they loved it. Yeah, because they extended it, right, the, in the, uh, yeah, in the so uh, theater. Yeah, so it's been extended uh, with the first two episodes in yeah. theaters back-to-back. All right. Good stuff. All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to that interview later in the podcast. But first, we are going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And polls are starting to come in for the Walker-Warnock race. That's the lone remaining Senate seat in Georgia. An AARP poll shows that Warnock has a narrow edge over Walker 5147 at the moment. Police in Moscow, Idaho are still working to dispel rumors and speculation that have kind of arisen in the week since the four students there from University of Idaho were found murdered. Uh, that was back on November 13th. And so now that they haven't had any suspects, they have no real leads. All these theories are starting to pop up. So they've been busy trying to uh, let people know that, no, they don't have information uh, on it yet. So continued prayers there. And Anthony Fauci appeared at his last White House press conference briefing yesterday. He tried to give booster shots one last sales pitch while also telling people it's a good idea to get tested before going to Thanksgiving celebrations. And he said this as 89% of people currently eligible to receive the latest booster shots in the U.S. have not received them. And the Daily Caller White House correspondent, uh, Diana Globova, was trying to ask a question regarding what Fauci has done to investigate the origins of COVID. Um, But Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, shouted her down and rebuked her for speaking out of turn. And masks and social distancing, are we going to see another push for that? Well, a new report from the HHS that was published earlier this week on Monday suggests a broad range of recommendations that they say will, quote, help those dealing with lingering COVID-19 symptoms. And they look to masks and social distancing restrictions again. And those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBN News.
Fauci.com. So, guys, Fauci's last uh, press conference there, and I mean, really shockingly low numbers on these boosters. Um, really, only 11% of eligible people have them, and the, the most updated booster. And they're still out here pushing this stuff. I mean, I, it just feels like Americans are over this. Yeah. I mean, maybe it depends on where you're at, but I'm in Pennsylvania near Philadelphia where it's not exactly the South where people would, were ignoring the mask stuff all along. I mean, people were wearing the masks here where I'm at, but and no one's doing that now. I mean, it's very, very, very few people. So I'd be surprised that anybody's listening to this, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'm in New York where things are even more, you know, but even here, the masks and all of that has, it's mostly faded. Some people are still wearing them. The vaccine though, yeah, it's probably half and half, you know, it, but but I think in most places, people have, have moved on from this as evidenced by yeah. the 11%. I mean, you know what this this booster shot promotion, Fauci's last press conference here, and, and even the push for mask mandates from the government, it kind of reminds me of if you've ever been to a theme park and the, the mom is sitting with her little kids and something not cool at all is happening, but they paid a lot of money to be at the theme park. So they're trying to get the kids really excited about how <laughs> incredibly cool this is. So they just keep like drumming it up. Like, isn't this so awesome? And the kid is just not having any of it. <laughs> America is the little kid. We don't care. Yeah. No, we just don't care. I mean, and I mean, we just want to go on the cool roller coaster of spinning around. But uh, no, they're going to keep making us go over on this. Like, the show's not fun anymore. No, no, it's not fun. We don't want to go sit and listen to the lecture or whatever they're trying to drag. You're right. I mean, you're right. I mean, it just it feels I, I don't know. It just feels like you're not reading the room. It just feels like I mean, maybe they really believe this stuff. I don't know. I, I really just don't know. But um when you look at it, it feels like something that you'd hear in 2020 and that they're just still trying to do it. Like you're yeah. Yeah. famous person, famous person, famous for something. And then they just keep trying to go back to that. Well, <laughs> from back in the glory days, like hey, star has faded. I mean, things have changed too, right? That, you know, you're not dealing with a scenario like you were in the beginning where there was a higher death rate and there were all these other things going on. So, you know, if, the, if this were the Delta variant, maybe people would be rushing. Right. Yeah. Out, that's that's feeling, the key. You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I completely um, agree with you that that the severity of it, I think, is of premier importance because no one's afraid of it because it's not really having a deadly effect, really, any more than like the flu yeah. now. Right. I, I mean, mean they, at the beginning, that wasn't true. It was deadlier than the flu. But that you can't say the same for it now. I think at this point, it just seems like an exercise in seeing if we can continue to grab control, right? It's like, if we can, let's see if we can continue to get people to listen. Uh, I don't think people are, but I think it's an attempt to continue to yeah. try to see how much power we can grab. Now, and, and it goes to show that fear is a real catalyst for authoritarians. It's, it's a real, I think, if anything, the authoritarians have learned, like, you have to capitalize on that fear when it's at a heightened pitch, because people seem more willing to go along with stuff when they're afraid. Now people are just kind of, all right, it's not, the numbers are very low. It's not a deadly variant. Don't care. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and, and, yeah. and fear is a good motivator, but yeah. it's not a healthy one. You no. Know? No, I mean, it would be good if they, yeah. Policy indicator, right? Like it, that's where it's, that's where it becomes a problem yeah. when you're going to enact policy based on yes. fear. No, yeah. I agree. Couldn't agree more. So. All right. Well, as Fauci rides off into the sunset, we'll move, we'll move into our next story here. Travis Allen and his 14-year-old daughter, Blake, are suing after both purportedly received penalties 
for comments made after a biological male used the girl's locker room at Blake's school. So what what's going on? What happened here? This story is multifaceted and difficult, but you basically have a situation where Travis Allen, who is a middle school coach, okay, in Vermont, um, and his daughter... Blake, who's 14 years old, as you mentioned, she's a high school student. They both have sort of run into the crosshairs of the LGBTQ movement. Basically, this scenario started because Blake is on the volleyball team um, at her high school and a transgender student, a biological man identifying as a woman um, teenager was using not only using the girl's locker room, but also on the girls' volleyball team, I believe. And so um, there was a dispute over this because Blake felt uncomfortable that this biological man was coming into the locker room and changing in front of the females in the room. And so long story short, she shares this information that she's upset about this um, with principals, as apparently allegedly do other students. And these girls were basically told, according to reports, that the school can't do anything about it. This person is entitled to use that locker room. So Blake went and told another student that she was uncomfortable. And apparently other students heard her talking about this. And she was reported to the principal's office. And was there was an investigation and she was suspended. So that that's mm. sort of her portion of, of the story. So she got suspended just for bringing up the concern. Well, yeah, misgendering is the claim, right? Oh so, goodness. yeah, she apparently said this individual is, quote, literally a dude. He doesn't belong in the girl's locker room. Uh, and when I talked to her about this, I had a chance to sit down with both her and her father. She she told me, she said, quote, how it was crazy that they would let the trans student come in. So she's vent she's venting, speaking to another student. Another student apparently hears that and allegedly goes to the principal's office, reports it. They do this investigation and basically say that based on gender identity, she bullied the student and they wanted her to write an apology letter to participate in something called a restorative justice circle. Oh my goodness. And she was given a suspension, which was not served, by the way, and we could talk about why that is and ended up not being served. But uh, she said, look, I, I thought it was crazy that using freedom of speech, I could be suspended because I didn't want a male watching me change. Yeah. And not, and by the way, she didn't misgender the person. I mean, if we're talking scientifically here, that is a male. She is correct. So why did Travis, the father, land in hot water as well? So as this is going on, and the timeline's a little bit tricky, but but basically, now remember, he's a coach at the middle school in yeah. the same district in Vermont. So he ends up going on Facebook, the story in local news, because this became a local news story, it made its way over to Facebook. People are commenting on both sides. And a woman uh, purporting to be the mother of the transgender student um, allegedly posted in the on this Facebook post and and basically made it seem like Blake had made the story up that had she had blown it out of proportion. Um, this mother has claimed that nobody had an issue with her child who is transgender being in the room that this is all you know basically blown out of proportion. And so Travis Allen was frustrated. And he replied and he said, you know, this is a serious issue. While my daughter got violated, your son got a free show. So he comments in the post what happens because he called this biological male a son. He also misgendered the student. He ends up getting suspended from his coaching position without pay. Golly. And then, and then again, it's not actually misgendering going by the scientific definitions here. I mean, because that I'm just going to stop for one quick second and comment. That that logic is so flawed because if if I said my gender was 
dragon, dragon, dragon or something. And I thought I was a, you know, serpent of some kind. Uh, and someone didn't, would they suspend that person for not calling me that? For calling me a he? Would they suspend them? I don't know. It just seems, it seems very one-sided at this. And of course, they never consider the comfort of the actual you know, woman involved here. But the family's suing now. What are they hoping to accomplish with this? Well, they're hoping to see this not happen anymore. He wants to see single stalls. You know, if this is going to be the way it is that they have single stalls, which by the way, Blake was told that she was uncomfortable to go change in a single stall, right? So the the other person doesn't need to change in a single stall. She needs to go change <laughs> apparently in the single stall. But by the way, I just want to mention this because it's important. Um, Travis was also a, allegedly told to make a public apology for misgendering the child. He refused to do that. And that's why he was suspended. So there's this compelling of speech, this alleged compelling yeah. of speech going on here uh, in both cases, right? Yeah, it's like kneel down and kiss the ring. So I mean, I'll open it up, guys. Why? I mean, why do you why do you guys think that this case um, matters? I mean, I, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait, let you guys weigh in. I've got my thoughts on it. Well, I mean, I we're taking this one, these one little small, these small exceptions, right? And we're making everybody else who's in the quote unquote normal category, the people who accept sex as what it is, male and female, these people are, are the ones who are made to, to sacrifice, to lose out on opportunities, uh, to give up spaces. And by the way, like you said earlier, Dan, it's all women, almost always, yeah. like 99% of the time, it's biological women who are made to sacrifice spaces that were specifically designed to them for them to get, get to give them equality, right? To give them equal footing with men uh, way back in the day when these, these laws and, and statutes were put in place and now we're undoing all of it and the party that's undoing it is the one that's all all about feminism and supposedly pro-women uh why they can't see the irony in that uh, or maybe they do and they just don't care at this point i think that's probably uh, closer to the truth well and you have a scenario here too and i just want to look i want to give due diligence here to the other side of this because we don't know it's all he said she said right now that the mother of the transgender student claims that that the student was being bullied, actually, and that the this facts are completely the opposite of what they've been presented as, and that the school was investigating this bullying that was going on. Regardless of whether or not that's true, I wanted to put that out there. But why is this case important? The attorney in this case, Phil Seckler, he's from Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, he basically said, "Look, you know, these people are standing up. If Travis and Blake did not." choose to stand up the way they are and sue, and if ADF hadn't gotten involved, this would be a situation where she'd be serving a suspension, which by the way, the day after they filed this lawsuit, the school lifted her suspension, which is very interesting, according mm. to the attorney. That's what happened. <laughs> um, which which and, would indicate that they got some advice from their attorneys that, um, yeah, this isn't yeah. going to end well for you. Right. So he just said, look, we have to stand up. It's important you stand up. She'd be in the restorative circle had they not stood up in this case. Yeah, really interesting. And, um, I, you know, and I think to kind of to what you were saying, Trey, I mean, I think this points to a larger pattern. It always seems to be very one sided that men are invading spaces designed for women and people just don't they don't see it. They seem to have their blinders on. I mean, the NHL just posted recently um, that trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary identity is real. I mean, this is the NHL. Like, what are they yeah. even getting into this for? And so it's not just these things that are happening at a random high school that you're never going to be involved in. This is a push nationwide to erase um, sex f from existence. The way, the way we've known it, as you said, Trey, male and female, 
this is a movement to try to just erase that and you just pick whatever you want. I mean, and that yeah. essentially erases women and men. I mean, that's essentially what it does. Now, you you can't do that. I mean, as hard as you try, you're not going to actually erase a blatant truth that we can all see. And we can all play make believe for a while, but you're you're not going to actually be able to erase that. Um. So, but it but it does matter because of that, especially as Christians, when we see how God made them, He male and female, He made them, and He designed us a certain way. And we we will keep saying this, and we'll keep hammering this drum because apparently a lot of people uh, aren't that familiar with it. I guess. Yeah. Well, and I think that's another thing too, as believers, we should recognize because all of this is also permeating inside the walls, the, you know, the proverbial walls of the church, or the, the, the yeah. Christian world, uh, with so many people who just don't know how to handle these issues. So I think we let it in oftentimes inadvertently. Uh, and I think we have to realize that God, you know, at the very core of our creation or of God's creation, he designed us in his image, right? As male and female. So we're actually attacking like the very center, the nucleus of his creation uh, by, by going after male and female and suggesting that they don't actually exist. And then we play lowercase God in our own lives uh, and, and wreak havoc in culture. Well, it is, it is a little bit of 1984, right? I mean, yeah. you have a situation yeah. where if you won't comply, what will happen to you is you will be forced into, I don't even know what a restorative justice circle is. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand, but I, I know it's something I probably don't want to have to go to. Right. Yeah. So right. You're going to reeducate people if yeah. they don't say and do what you want. That is not a healthy democracy. That is not a good thing for us to be doing in any stretch of the imagination. No, no. it's state sanctioned bullying is what it is. Yes, it is a hundred percent. It's intimidation bullying. You're not winning anyone over. You're threatening them with fear and intimidation and threat of consequence. So you you don't win anyone over that way. It's not an education, like you said. It's 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 no different than what we see in those in China, where we've talked about that video from the when the BBC reporter goes over there and sees them getting re-educated and taught how great the state is. It, it's not much different than that. It really isn't because it's not truth. It, it's clearly something tangibly, physically we can see with our own eyes isn't true. And they're trying to tell us it's true. So, well, and, and even if it was the truth, that's not the way to convince the way to people, right? Nope. I mean, as, just look at Christ as believers. We know God didn't force all of us to go into these conversations. Right. You're going to have to sit yeah. down with Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you know, he opens the door and we're able to go right. uh, of the Holy Spirit's prompting. But, you know, we could go down that rabbit trail. But yeah, even if it is truth, this is not the way to do it. No, definitely not. Definitely not. All right. Well, we got to move on, but thanks for bringing that story to the table. We're going to head into the main thing now. Season three of The Chosen, uh, it hit the box office. They did it differently this time. They went into theaters for the first couple episodes, and um, they're already extending that because of such a great turnout in the first two episodes. Well, Trey sat down with the show's creator, Dallas Jenkins, to discuss the success of the series and what it means to him. That's today's main thing. The third season of The Chosen is off to a running start scoring the number three spot at the box office over the weekend as the first two episodes of the latest season debuted back-to-back in theaters across the country. We recently sat down with Dallas Jenkins, the show's creator, to talk about the incredible response the Christian series has received and why he's not surprised by it. Here's what he had to say. This may sound weird. It's not shocking to me because from day one I've been kind of like, okay, God God can do anything, and, and my job is just to make a show that honors the spirit and intentions of Jesus and the Gospels. And uh, I had some people saying, this is going to be huge. And I, I had myself thinking, I've, I've, I've done things that I thought could work and, and they failed. 
So I've just had no expectations about it whatsoever. So it doesn't it doesn't shock me, but it wouldn't have shocked me had it not worked either. Yeah. Uh, I just really am surrendered to the process and just trying to make a good show. And uh, the fact that season three now comes with it, tens of millions of viewers were looking for it when season one was just a few thousand. Uh, it really doesn't change the making of it. It doesn't change the fact that we still have to write it and make it and make it sure that it's as good as possible. That's what I have to focus on. Over the course of making The Chosen, Dallas has said the Lord's presence is undeniable. Check out what he had to say. Well, I think it's just been from day one very clear. Um, I'll just give you an example of casting. Like when we're casting the show, you see dozens of people for each role. Uh, in fact, you start with you sometimes with hundreds, and then you keep narrowing it down. And, and with the casting of this show, it was always like there was only one person that made sense for the part. Um, God is just so clearly from the beginning brought people to the show, cast, crew, um, who uh, were compelled to do it even when they might not have wanted to. I mean, there's just so many people involved in the show who God was putting it on their hearts. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, we, we crowdfunded over $10 million from 19,000 people based on a short film I did in my friend's farm in Illinois for my church's Christmas Eve service, um, shattering the all-time crowdfunding record. Um, and people who invested in the show based on that short film over and over have told me, I just felt like I had to. I felt God compelling me. They didn't know if the show was going to be good or not. They'd seen a short film I did for my church. Something felt different about it for them. There's something transcendent happening. It just happens over and over and over again uh, with mind-numbing regularity. And, uh, and it's happened from day one. So I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to keep following. Um, the show never gets ahead of itself. I'm never getting ahead of the show. I'm just like, I'm going to keep writing and directing and editing with my collaborators. And uh, we're going to let the results handle themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest part of it. Is we're, just, we're just concentrating on making the best show we can and letting God do the rest. And the doors that are opening are remarkable. So how did Dallas and his team not only prepare spiritually for making the show, but also ensure that the script is true to scripture? The biggest part of that is um, when we're writing, um, we really do want to get that right. We give it to our biblical scholars. Um, I'm testing it against the Bible, against history, against culture, um, against my own instincts sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's just like something will be just bothering me, just kind of glitching my spirit about a scene. And I'm like, yeah, Maybe, I just don't think that's right, and, and maybe we need to tweak that. Um, and I'm just trying to listen as best I can. Uh, once we're on set, it's a little late in the game. I mean, the, the script's already been written. We're, 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 the train has left the station. Then it's a matter of every morning um, before we're filming, I just try to get a little bit of alone time. I try to get with God and go, just let me, just let me get out of the way. Um, I want to do my best. I want to bring the five loaves and two fishes, to, to use the cliche that I always do. I want to make them as good as I can. I'm going to work my butt off. And uh, we're going to, while we're filming, we're just trying to make a great show. There's so many things to, 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 be, to think about, from airplanes flying overhead to the sets to the costumes to the hair and makeup to the actors to the performances. When I'm watching the monitor during a scene, if I start thinking about the weight of it and how big this could be and how important it is to people, I'm going to get frozen. I can't think about that. I have to think about what's inside the frame that we're filming. 
And so I think that's how I get through it, is, uh, is by not thinking about the weight of it. That comes at the, on the front end. And if I feel comfortable that what we're doing is right by God, then the rest I'm, I'm cool with. And if I get criticized, I don't care. If, I, uh, if the show doesn't make money, I don't care. It really has to do with that front end of making sure that what we're writing is, is capturing the spirit and intentions of Jesus in the Gospels. The response to this season of The Chosen has been so enthusiastic, the theatrical debut has been extended through December 1st. To get tickets or to watch the previous seasons of The Chosen for free, visit thechosen.tv. All right, Trey, thanks for that conversation there. You can watch the rest of that full interview over on the CBN News YouTube channel. Well, that leaves us with time for uh, one last thing. All right, this is one of my favorite verses. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Particularly that give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say when things are good or happy. It says all circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And to give thanks to God for, for all of, all of whatever you're going through in life, right? It doesn't mean to, to be thankful for the really crummy things that you're dealing with, but be, be thankful for how the Lord uses it. Right. And teaches you through it and makes you more like him in the midst of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great message heading into this Thanksgiving. So many people so many times react when things don't go their way. Why is God doing this to me instead of thanking God for the opportunity to grow? Uh, even if it's in the midst of pain, we might, we might not see the forest through the trees, but the big picture is there. God's in control and he is working all things for our good. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Lord willing and that creek don't rise. We'll see you back here on Friday with a special episode as we're heading into the weekend. God bless. See you then.